Hey, Nothing Is Wasted family. This is officially the last call to sign up for our Nothing Is Wasted Israel trip this May slash June. May 29th through June 6th, we are taking a trip to Israel. And this is the first time that Christy is going with me. We would love for you to come with us. But I'm telling you, the deadline is creeping up on us here in like two weeks. And as of the time of this recording, we have four spots available left for you to jump on. So if you want to jump on this trip last minute, make sure you go to nothingiswasted.com slash Israel. The reason we take these trips is because six months after my wife passed away in 2015, I went to Israel and it was probably the single greatest catalyst to my healing. And so when I came back, I vowed that I was going to take other people over to Israel so they could experience some of the same aha moments walking in the places that Jesus walked. We're going to be visiting the Galilee region, so Capernaum, Tiberias. We're going to be visiting uh, Caesarea Philippi, Caesarea Maritime. We're going to be visiting Tel Aviv, Joppa. We're going to be visiting, of course, Jerusalem, the Dead Sea. I mean, Masada. It's going to be an, an incredible, incredible trip. You're not going to want to miss this. Again, we have four spots available. So if you've got the opportunity, the time, you're able to jump on this trip last minute, I I don't know if or when we're going to do another trip. So this could be a once in a lifetime experience for you. And I'm so excited. Chrissy and I are both so excited to be sharing this time with you guys. Those of you guys who are jumping on this trip with us. So again, May 29th through June 6th, you can find out all the information at nothingiswasted.com slash Israel. If you're at all interested, you need to jump on this quickly. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Davey Blackburn, and I have joining me a guest host, Teresa Glantz. Teresa, so great to have you. Thank you. It is an honor to be here. Honestly, it is. Teresa, you are one of our certified coaches. You're a trauma informed. What is? How do you actually? What's your title? I'm a, you're a trauma informed yeah. coach. Is that? Yeah, a trauma recovery coach. Yeah. Trauma recovery coach. Yep. And I'm excited to talk to you about this because, man, I'm telling you, the stuff that over the past year, two years or so, as you've jumped into this trauma recovery coaching journey, I've been amazed to see what God is doing in that. And I want you yeah. to share that a little bit with our audience. Here in a second. I'd love to, yeah. Those of you guys who have been listening for the past few weeks, um, I brought on a couple of guest co-hosts because Aubrey is still out. She's taking some time as she's grieving the loss of her best friend. And so continue to keep Aubrey and her family and Jen's family in your prayers. Um, but Teresa, today we have a really incredible guest, Dr. Ellie Stevens. I know that you've listened to this conversation that I had with her. and It's so good. It, I mean, it. you know, it, it really... This is one that really, it educated me a whole lot because uh -huh. you don't, we don't talk a whole lot about, you know, especially brain injuries, PTSD, what happens physically. I mean, we talk, we talk about it some, but we're thinking a whole lot more on like the emotional side of things right? and how that affects our, you know, the makeup of our brain. But, yes. but when you kind of go and you approach it in the reverse side of things, you know, that's where... That that it's, it's a new topic for us. It's something we haven't really covered a whole lot. Yeah, it was it was a great conversation, and yeah, she's pretty fascinating. 
She really is. And so is she, if, if you guys have never heard of Ellie Stevens, um, and, and she, we, we, I found out in the conversation, she likes, she wants, she wants to be called Ellie. So I'm like, okay, I felt really, cause I'm like, you have a doctor, a DR in front of your name. Right. And I felt like it was, you know, Dr. Elizabeth Stevens. And then, <laughs> then she gets on and she's just super casual and cool. And it was just a great, great thing. But she's got a book coming out, um, Unshackled, Finding God's Freedom from Trauma. And she's going to talk about in this conversation, um, some of the, the, the brain injury and PTSD um, kind of the residual effects of her time serving in the military. And so this is, uh, I know this is going to be a very good conversation, especially for those of you guys who have, you have served in the military. So you're going to understand this. You're a veteran or you have a family member who is a veteran and you're going to be able to really relate to this. Maybe this is a great one to share with some of those folks as well. So let's go ahead and, and dive into this conversation. And then Teresa and I are going to chat some more on the back end. Ellie, it's so great to have you joining me on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm really excited to have this conversation, you know, and I, I hate saying I'm excited to talk about pain and trauma, but I know that this particular uh, area of pain and trauma is one that we have gotten a lot of questions about. A lot of people are seeking out help for a loved one or a family member or even for themselves. And so as I was kind of reading up on your story a little bit and reading up on the work that you're doing, I was particularly excited about you sharing. And I know you're going to connect so much with our, with our community. And so I'd love for you, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and then dive into your story. I want to find out why it is that you're doing what you're doing, because I know a lot of our purpose comes out of our pain. So let's talk about that. Yes. So I actually grew up in Indianapolis. I I started, I was at, at a church, a small, tiny church where my brother and I were basically the youth group. And I grew up just soaking in the Bible and learning and learning. And, um, and I, at around probably four, I remember sitting on the bed with my brother and my mom and her asking me if I believe that Jesus died for my sins and that I um, and if I asked, if I asked him to be my savior, to accept that free gift of salvation, and I did, and it was just this um, dive right in, share the gospel with people in <laughs> elementary, and I was a, I was a definitely a go getter, and I ended up using using my walk with Christ as a way to perform, and mm. I I was looking back, I. I didn't really process the trauma around five or six, but I had been molested. And I mm. remember looking back, I remember seeing the shift of being so confident and so loved and, and feeling that love and receiving that love to being extremely insecure and fearful. Mm. And wow. so I ended up using performance achievement, basketball grades as a way to prove that I wasn't unworthy. I wasn't tainted. I wasn't broken. But deep down, that's what I believed. That was my narrative, was that wow. I could never be enough. And so I went, I decided to become a physician in the Air Force to help serve those who are serving our country. Um, I, I decided that around 12 years old and just really pushed through and, and achieved those goals. And I didn't, I lost sight of that intimacy and relationship that I could have with God. 
And it was all this, I have to prove my worth to God, to myself and to others. And I knew I could never do it on my own. And so fast forward um, to 2015, I was in Colorado doing a child and adolescent psychiatry fellowship. And I was trying to hike all the 14,000 foot peaks in Colorado, achieve that goal. And I sustained, or it was around peak 34, I sustained a traumatic brain injury. Mm. And that moment on my life changed to where I couldn't read without getting a migraine. I couldn't do simple math. I couldn't remember words. I was slurring my speech. And then when, within a month of that, I was raped. And so oh. that, that took a huge hit to my soul. And um, there's a lot that kind of goes into that as well. But it was really a life-changing experience where I could no longer perform. I could no longer prove anything. And that's when I had to sit in, in that mentality of, okay, what am I really believing? How am I really living? And I was able to, through that process of around three years, go to God and, and receive the deeper healing that I really needed. Wow. Wow. That's one of the things I think is, um, was really notable about when I was reading some of your story and even as I'm, I'm hearing you talk about it is, you know, for so many of us are the untangling of our trauma often doesn't look much like our trauma. Right. I mean, there are definitely cases for many of us where you go through a traumatic experience, you have some kind of tragedy or incident that happens in your life, and you are spending so many years, you know, in therapy and getting help for that particular incident. But for you, it, it was a little bit different that this incident kind of triggered a little bit of this. Uh, it was like a catalyst for a journey of healing that happened um, in, in relation to other things in your life, things that you were using performance and, you know, achievement to, to cope with. And, and I'm, I'm curious how you, you know, what, what did that look like for you as you all of a sudden kind of quote unquote stumbled upon some of this trauma from your past and you were finally confronted face to face with it. You didn't have the ability to, you know, um, assuage that with any kind of like busyness or achievement or, you know, proving of yourself. Now you had to look at face to face. What was that like for you, that navigating, untangling, healing journey? So it, it actually, part of that untangling started, uh, it was about five months prior to my traumatic brain injury. So I, I was pursuing all of these goals and I was trying to find a husband and I was doing the child and adolescent psychiatry fellowship. And I thought, well, I'm not working 70 to 80 hours a week now. I might have some time to, to date. And so I found someone who, um, who shared a lot of interests and um, I was in, that, in a relationship with him. And it was kind of this back and forth of, I really saw my virginity as um, a huge part of my identity, a huge part of that performance piece of this is my testimony, this is who I am, and that was taken from me. Mm. And and when that happened, that kind of that was a catalyst to me becoming a shell of a person. I literally felt like a part of me died when that happened. Wow. And and so then I tried to redeem what happened. Instead of let, letting God be the redeemer, I tried to redeem what happened. And I 
thought to myself, well, I'm going to make this person my husband to make this right. And so I did whatever I could to please him and was in a bad relationship and ended up um, when I had the traumatic brain injury telling him, I got to cut this off. Like I cannot be um, in this sexual relationship. I need to be pure. I need to be focused on God. I need to do what he wants me to do because all along that, that whole time I was still going to church. I was reading the Bible, but I was extremely distant and dark in a dark place. And so that traumatic brain injury happened. I chose God and then I was raped. Mm. And so uh. it was that, that contrast of, okay, well, I chose what was right and this is what happened. Mm -hmm. Obviously God didn't cause that to happen, but that um, first and foremost, the, the losing my virginity, I, I recognized, wow, like I can't, I can't base my identity on my performance or what I've done or what I haven't done in life. But I didn't feel like I was that really good Christian anymore. And so I wasn't mm -hmm. using my own righteousness to block gods. And so it was that wow. unpacking of those layerings of, of traumas that bit by bit, piece by piece, there was a lot of intense anger. There was a lot of depression. There was, there were times where I wanted to end my life. There were, there was a lot of darkness, but through that, God was there holding me, loving me. And it was that process of knowing, okay, well, I can't bring anything to the table for God, but he's here with me and his grace is covering me and his forgiveness is there washing all the sins away. And so it was that process of letting go of those protective barriers that I was, I was actually blocking God's love and piece by piece, letting him in. And there were certain breakthrough moments that, um, that really, that really helped where it was the Holy Spirit convicting me of being angry at God for not receiving healing for, it was about two and a half years into the healing process. And I was angry at God and I didn't realize it. So really illuminating and, and giving me that self-awareness of this is what's actually going on. I know you want to be perfect and I know you don't want to have any problems, but this is what's actually going on. Let me heal this part of you. Wow. And so it was just kind of every day was Groundhog's Day where it was just trying to read and getting a migraine and not being able to read and knowing, okay, when am I ever going to be able to go back to work? When, I'm, when am I going to ever be able to help people again? Wow. And, and really just having that be just draining me over and over again, but knowing, and, and I had actually prayed, it was probably about three months in that I don't waste this trauma, which is mm -hmm. <laughs> the podcast, nothing is wasted. I, get, I, I ask God, like, help me to use this trauma for your glory and not waste it. Wow. There's so many things that you've, you've just said already that just, I mean, so profound to me. I mean, you know, Ellie, I can, I, I can relate quite a bit with you. I'm, I'm by nature an achiever, a uh, performer, you know, if you'd speak Enneagram language, I'm a three. So one of the fundamental vices of a three is that we feel like we're not worthy of love outside of our performance and our achievement. And, um, and so you know, I, I can relate with that because I've, I've lived with this fundamental idea that as long as I do the right things, like as long as like, you know, whether, whatever you want to call it, but you know, at the end of the day, my, my own righteousness, if I do the right things that everything's going to work out fine. Right. 
Like mm-hmm. from an, from a worldly perspective, I will be successful. From even an in, inward perspective, I'll be right with God if I do the right things. And what I know about trauma, what you know, in experiencing my own, is that the con the basically the construct that we form of God gets completely deconstructed. And my construct of God was one thing. And as I walked through this horrific loss of my wife, I realized, wait, God is not, not necessarily, not, not, uh, you know, uh, he wasn't completely unlike what I had constructed. Right. But there were definitely some things that were askew from who he really was. I'm curious about that for you. You know, what, as you, as you, you've shared a little bit of how you've related with God over this, but what, who did you see God to be? And now as you look back on it, go, okay, this is, this was what I'm, I misunderstood this about God or about how he interacts and intervenes in my life. I think before the trauma, it was more of, yes, God loves me, but I didn't truly understand what that meant. I I saw love still as conditional, like you were saying, performance-based, like if you're good, if you follow him, if you achieve, if you're, if you're working hard, he loves you. If you're not, he doesn't, or he he's distant or he, he'll withhold things from you, withhold love, withhold favor. And, and so it was just this, this shift of um, knowing that God isn't surprised by anything I do. He's Mm. not disappointed because in order to be disappointed, you have to be surprised like you have to not know what's going to happen and so i i thought of god as every if i messed up he would be extremely disappointed in and and withhold his love and i wouldn't have told anyone that but that's what i believed and so after the trauma it was this this recognizing that i can make the worst choices imaginable i can choose people above him and he will accept me back with his loving arms, knowing that I knew you were going to wow. do that all along. And I still died for you. I still love you. Wow. I still forgive you. And so it was just that shift of, it, it was more personal and it was real. Mm. And it, my heart started aligning with my mind. Mm. Mm. Wow. Which is ultimately, I feel like, you know, in, in the spiritual sense, that's the resolution of trauma, or at least the beginning of the resolution of trauma when your heart begins to align with your mind. And, you know, really all of that begins to, um, you know, it aligns with who God is and how he relates with us, and understanding of his love and who we are in him. And that's, that's such an amazing, amazing thing. I, you know, I'm, I'm curious over the course of, you know, cause at the very beginning of this conversation, you mentioned that it was what, five years old that you were molested. And it, it, you know, it seems to me, we, we all kind of have these particular coping mechanisms that we try to use to, you know, um, cover up our trauma or to not have to deal with it, you know, for you and people like you. And, 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 and for me, it's a lot of times it's, it's performance, it's achievement over the course of your upbringing, to what extent were you aware that you were doing that? Like to what extent was this trauma you experienced at five years old conscious to you and, and knowing this is how I'm coping with it? You know, when did you begin to discover like, wait a minute, I'm, you know, does that make sense? Like, Mm -hmm. was that a, was that a conscious attempt to try to 
um, diminished inward pain that you were feeling or was it something that you didn't even realize because it happened so early on in life and then it wasn't until this brain injury that it was like oh my gosh this is what I've been doing so I'm very good at repressing and stuffing things down Mm. and I it wasn't until so when I was raped I couldn't process that because of the traumatic brain injury Mm. and it's almost like my brain wouldn't allow me to to realize the gravity of what happened. But wow. deep down inside, I blame myself. And I, I started, and I, I developed more of this like self-loathing, self-hatred, mm. because I allowed this person in my life and it was my fault. Wow. And it wasn't until about two and a half years later where I was actually diagnosed with PTSD. It was not on my radar at all. I blamed everything on my traumatic brain injury. And mm. it wasn't until... I was sexually assaulted by a physical therapist that I had a flashback of what had happened before. But um, meanwhile, I mean, I was having, I was having nightmares of my loved ones doing horrific acts to people. I was, I didn't trust anybody. I didn't trust myself. I wasn't trusting God. There's the trust piece was, was a major factor for me. And, um, and it wasn't until I, I started seeing a Christian therapist and she kind of was probing and and illuminated this five six year old um, trauma. Wow! And so I, I it was not anything that I was thinking about was a problem. I didn't even think that if someone asked me, "Have you ever had any traumas in your life?" I would have said no. Mm. And so it was not even a thing wow. when I was growing up that I I I was just uh, I was very very I had to get straight A's. I had to get. I couldn't miss any questions on tests. It would bring me a lot of anxiety taking any tests because I didn't want to miss any questions. Like it was, it was very much of an obsessive thing. Basketball, another mm. obsessive thing. Um, having to be high score, like all of this, all of these things were just consuming me. But I didn't know what the root of that was until decades later. Hey friend, I know if you're listening to this podcast and you've gotten connected with Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, chances are you're either currently walking through or you have walked through a season of suffering. During that season, instead of feeling God's presence really profoundly, as many people have told you that you could or you've read in God's word that you should, you're instead feeling his absence. Uh, I wonder if you feel like God is silent when you're hurting the most. I can tell you this, you're absolutely not alone. Many people have walked through their darkest moments and wondered, where are you, God? I mean, even people in scripture from David to Job, Elijah to even Jesus on the cross. You see, pain can make you feel totally isolated when you need to feel the nearness of God more than ever. So what do you do in these seasons of silence? And and what do these seasons mean? What could God be up to in the moments where he seems quiet. Well, on February 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern time, we're going to be hosting our next masterclass to answer just that question. And that masterclass is called God's Silence in Our Suffering, Seeing Him Move When You Can't Hear His Voice. Our very own staff member of Nothing Is Wasted and certified coach, Catherine Fitzgerald. In fact, she is our content producer. So she is over everything that you hear on the podcast, all of our content, I promise you, she shared with me over our team retreat 
back in November, some stuff that God has been teaching her in the silence of suffering. And I'm telling you, you do not want to miss this. In this upcoming masterclass, you're going to learn why God may seem silent in your pain, how to see God when you can't hear him, what you need most in those seasons of silence, and so much more. Being a part of this live masterclass is completely free. All you have to do is sign up at nothingiswasted.com slash masterclass. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash masterclass. And then you'll receive an email on how to join that live call on February 16th. Listen, trauma and tragedy can make us feel alone. But when we don't feel the presence of God in our suffering, it can amplify those feelings. The truth is, God never leaves us. We, we may have to find new ways to see and experience him, but he always remains in whatever we are walking through. And that's what we want to help you with in this next masterclass. So February 16th, 8 p.m. Eastern time, go to register for this free live masterclass with Catherine Fitzgerald, nothingiswasted.com slash masterclass. Yeah, that's why that's one of the reasons I asked the question because it was, you know, there's so many I, I've had conversations with multiple people that this phenomenon has happened in their life, you know, in terms of they experienced a childhood trauma at such an early age, they repressed it so deeply, you know, not even being aware that they rep repressed it, right? Which is part of the nature of repressing early childhood memories. And then, you know, it wasn't until later that someone helped them discover what something that they had completely forgotten that they would have told you, you know, just like what you were just describing, you would have said, I didn't, I didn't have any trauma growing up, you know? And yet, um, all of a sudden this person facilitated this, you know, this environment where you were able to draw from your subconscious again, what had happened and, and then hold it out to begin to heal from it. Um, what, what were some of the tools then you know, as you start, this stuff starts getting uncovered. Obviously, you know, it seems like the Lord's hand was very much at work and in, 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 in um, giving you, how do I say this? Giving you an opportunity. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't see it as an opportunity at the time, but giving you an opportunity to have space to deal with these things. What, what during that time did you uh, learn or start to, you know, uh, what what kind of tools did you were you equipped with then during that time that that you look back on now you're like this was absolutely necessary for me to begin to arm myself with these kinds of tools as I was was healing from this trauma. I think one of the one of the major tools and it was kind of forced, but it was not using distractions to cover things up to cover up hurt and I. Mm. I couldn't really, I mean, I couldn't read. All I could do was listen to podcasts, listen to the Bible app, really having conversations. Um, it, I couldn't work. So there was just, there was a lot of time and in a lot of time to pray and connect with God and to, to invite him to do that work in me where I never gave him the space to do. And mm. so, and I, um, it was, <laughs> was kind of forced to go to therapy too. So the so the military I was I was on convalescent leave or sick leave for like two and a half three years. Uh, wow. They didn't know what to do with me. They wanted to send me to uh, be a commander in um, in North Africa, but I I couldn't read. I still I didn't have any stamina, and I um it was 
just impossible for me to do. And so it was just that I was tossed kind of from one commander to another commander. And meanwhile, I was trying to get treatment and it was, it was, there was a, there were a lot of barriers there. And I went from provider to provider. I couldn't find any, any healing or any help. Um, And so just a lot of time and space. And, and so it was just that recognition of this is what rest looks like to rest in God, that Mm. I'm not able to work, but that doesn't mean that I'm less of a person, that my identities change, that I have less worth. And that was my time of healing and and connecting with God. So that space was really important for me to actually be able to have that self-discovery and invite the Holy Spirit to illuminate those things. Mm. And it was a lot of different people in my life. Um, I would go to different treatment centers. I went to Texas trying to get help, Virginia. And there were different churches that were the pastor. I mean, at one point, I was... I was at a place where I was just almost done with trying to find help or healing because like, I just wanted to read again. That's it. Like I just wanted to be able to read and work. And every time I would read, it would not only trigger a migraine, but a vestibular migraine where I felt really nauseous, like I was seasick and would throw up. And, and so it was just... A, Finally, they put me on a medication. They diagnosed the vestibular migraines, and I got this horrible, life-threatening rash. And it was just, mm. it was just, there was there was no solution, and Jeez. that's what it felt like. And so I was sitting in this church service, and the pastor looked right at me, and I, I have it in the book, but I didn't know him. And it, I mean, it seemed like he was looking right at me and talking to me. But he said, "Some of you are in here angry," and mm. I didn't think that I was angry at all. But I started crying because my, mm. my soul knew that I was angry, but I was unwilling to allow myself to realize that. And so there are a lot of moments like that where it was, it was the Holy Spirit convicting me in ways through other people or through situations uh, to help me identify what's truly going on within me, to be honest and transparent with myself, because that was the biggest barrier for me, I think, was to deny things to repress, to push down, to yeah. deny, because I didn't, I didn't want to have to deal with it and I didn't want to see it. Wow. And so giving me that space and providing opportunities and, and actually listening, listening to people speak into my life. Mm. That was, that was a big help for me. Wow. Wow. And what it seems like as you're describing this, that, you know, um, for the longest time, maybe even now you can kind of fill us in on this, but the, the doctors had zero they really had no answers, no solutions. And so, you know, there are a lot of people who are listening to this and that's the, that's a condition that they're living with as well, whether it be, you know, some kind of a chronic illness or some kind of a, like, you know, like, like what you've experienced, a brain injury, some kind, something in their situation saying, okay, I, one, don't have answers for this. Nobody else can give me answers for this. And two, it doesn't seem like there's any solution or any end to this. How do you, you know, as you've been walking this road out, let's say you're sitting across the table from somebody who that's their story as well. They're expressing this to you. What would you say to them? So I, I don't equate myself with Job because he went through so such horror and terror and loss that a lot more to more, much more of an extent than I did. But I would, I would say for me, the amount of character growth 
and the amount of healing and transformation that I've experienced mm. through the trauma that God's led me through, like I, I would not have experienced it otherwise. It was just wow. a complete heart change, a complete being from being completely driven and, and performance based to being able to have a compassion and empathy that I haven't had before, or it's from being self-loathing and a slave driver to having freedom. And, and it was this, it was the ability to follow, serve and worship God when I wasn't getting what I wanted or what I felt like I needed. And I don't know if I would have been able to learn how to even start to unconditionally love had it not been for the trauma. And so our bodies are these vessels of clay. They're broken, they're tattered, they're breaking, they're, they're going to wither away eventually. Um, But we have so much more waiting for us in heaven. We have Mm. so much more glory and, and in our weakness, like Paul said, the apostle Paul, like we can experience God's strength. And, and so I still, I mean, my migraines, Right now, they've gone away because I'm pregnant, and so pregnancies really helps oh, wow. with the with the migraines. But prior to pregnancy, and I wow. and I'm not sure if after, but I still I still was getting migraines to where I would just kind of be wiped out for a couple weeks at a time, and wow. it was just that knowledge of okay, well, I don't I don't have to worry about performance or getting things done. Like God will work things for my good around mm-hmm. this sickness around whatever's going on and that actually in my weakness the more dependent I am in God the more powerful I see things happening mm-hmm. the more miraculous things are happening around me where I know okay I did not do that there's no way I could have done that wow. but God is working through me and so it's just this it's a different level of relationship that that we can develop through trauma that that mm-hmm. brings us from more of a, 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 a conditional love of like, I, I'm doing these things, I'm serving you, I'm praying, why aren't you answering these prayers to this state of, okay, God, I don't need you to answer these prayers. I just need you. I just mm. need your presence. I just need your love. And I know you're here and I know you're doing a work in me. And so there's a peace wow. and a freedom that comes with that. And, yeah. and that's what I developed. And I, I know that every believer can develop that um, through that tra- those traumas. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, uh, th- it's something that you have written about in this book that, you, um, that you're releasing. And Unshackled is the title, but I love the subtitles, Finding God's Freedom from Trauma. Um, when I read that, when a lot of people read that, they're thinking, okay, that means, you know, the trauma is gone freedom mm. from trauma, right? It's, it's, it's gone. It's not, it's not here anymore. It doesn't, I don't, it doesn't exist anymore. Right. Or whatever that is for you. That's not what you mean when you say freedom from trauma, you're, you're talking about something else. What is that you're talking about? Right. It's, it's the freedom from the power of trauma. Mm. So I going through trauma after trauma after trauma, I started becoming extremely fearful. Well, I'm going to avoid getting in relationships with people. I'm going to avoid going out. I'm going to avoid doing these things because I don't want another trauma to happen. I don't want another setback. I can't afford another concussion. And Mm -hmm. there's all of this fear. And so there was another breakthrough where I was praying, praying to God. And this thought crossed my mind of why, like, 
let me be your protector instead mm-hmm. of you being your own protector. And wow. so the freedom that I found from trauma was coming to the point of, wait, God is more powerful than any trauma and he will work for my favor and my good through that trauma. So whatever the enemy intends for evil, God can redeem and make powerful things come out of that. And yeah. so there's this, this, this knowledge of my God is almighty, all powerful, all loving. He, he went to the cross for me. Even when I was in a sinful state, an enemy against him, he loved me for me and he brought me out of that darkness. And he is more powerful than Satan. He's more powerful than the world. He's more powerful than any trauma. I can trust him. And so that's what broke free that broke, broke brought me freedom from that power of trauma. Mm. Amazing. It's amazing. I hope as, as you guys are listening to this, I hope you're picking up a theme on literally over well over 200 episodes. And then I think it's wasted podcasts over and over and over and over. And Ellie's speaking in it right now that it does not matter what you've experienced, what has been done to you. The Lord is going to use that, weave that, turn it around for not just for the good of this world, yeah, this is inspiring, Ellie, to hear you talk about this. And it's benefiting us. And I know you've benefited so many other people, but for for your good, right? And that's what that's what I'm hearing you say. That's what I'm hearing you give testimony to is, no, there are some things in me that even though this was these things were done to me and this is what I've had to endure, there's some beautiful things that are coming from this inside of me that's welling up from inside of me. And, um, and that's an amazing thing. Because, you know, as I sit here and I, and I think about that, you know, I, again, I, I can relate to you. I can, and I put myself in your shoes or at least attempt to, I go, like, I would be, I can't imagine going through what you're going through. And I'm sure you would say the same thing to me. You know, I can't imagine mm-hmm. going through what you have gone through. And, and the beautiful thing is, is we don't have to imagine that, but we do, we can't agree together that it's amazing what God is doing in each one of our stories. Yeah, it is amazing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about this, Ellie, the, you know, I know this, what, what I understand to be true about the military community, especially is that it's very difficult to come to a place where you're willing to admit that you need help, whether it's because, you know, a fear of your career, you know, being jeopardized or even just, uh, a sign of showing weakness or, I mean, it's just not a common thing in military communities to raise your hand and go, Hey, I I really need some help right now, especially related to PTSD. However, that is also a very prevalent issue in military communities. So we kind of sit in this dilemma right now with that. What, What have you learned about that as you've navigated it kind of inform us a little bit. I know that that's something that now you do, um, as you've been turning this around into purpose, but what if what was that journey like for you? Did you feel shame? Did you feel in terms of saying, "Hey, I need some, I need some help here"? The the help that was obvious for me was the traumatic brain injury and just being able to go to work. And I right. I do think there's still a stigma. There was a, still a stigma with me of, "Oh, I can't handle whatever happened to me." And there there was a point in where I. I couldn't push through the symptoms. I couldn't push through the trauma. I couldn't, something broke and I couldn't Mm -hmm. fix it. And 
I don't know how many people actually get to that point or see that brokenness or see, okay, I can't function. A lot of people are able to function through the traumas and then it becomes this game of avoidance of I'm just going to avoid, I'm just going to keep, I can perform, but then they become functional alcoholics and they have like their functional trauma survivors, but they're still, they they haven't dealt with it. And so with, within the military, um, especially operators, special forces or people in combat, like they can, they can lose security clearance. They can lose just the capacity to go on operations if they have any kind of diagnosis or symptoms that they, they share. And that's where they, they feel alive. That's where they're thriving. That's where they are able to avoid. And that's what they feel like is the only thing that they can do. Or if there's any kind of survivor's guilt, they feel like they have to be out there fighting. Mm. And so it's, it's really tough for them to actually get help. And then when they come back from a deployment, there's a screen screening them for any kind of PTSD symptoms. Well, of course, they're going to check no on everything so that they can go on the next mission so that they're not um, set, set on the bench. And, and so it's, it's a very difficult, uh, it's very difficult to treat veterans because that mentality of, well, if I say I'm having any issues, like you had said, that shows that I have weakness instead of saying, okay, well, if I can get that healing, I'm actually even stronger Mm. than before and more resilient. And so I've, uh, Part of, the, part of the reason why I created Advancing Warriors International, the nonprofit for veterans and first responders, was through my journey, recognizing, okay, I'm pretty similar. I didn't mm-hmm. want to show weakness, even though it wasn't weakness. I didn't really have that supportive community of people who could relate to me. And so getting people in a group where they can actually talk through things, wrestle through things in a confidential, safe space where they're not jeopardizing their career they're able to wrestle with things about God and they're not going to be judged. And and the facilitators are all peers. Wow. They're veterans or first responders and they can have that space. And so that's why I created the, the nonprofit was to provide those spaces for veterans and first responders. Hey, Nothing is Wasted family. I wanted to interrupt this conversation for a brief moment to let you know about a powerful resource that we have available for you. It's called the Pain to Purpose course. Now, I know many of you guys have heard of this, but in case you're new and you haven't heard of this, I wanted to make sure that you were in the know about this. Now, listen, if you were to ask me this one question, Davey, what's the most important nothing is wasted resource that I should engage with? I would tell you, hands down, the Pain to Purpose course is it. Thousands of people now have found tremendous healing and breakthrough in their valley by walking through this course. Now, it's emotionally and spiritually intense, but I promise you it's well worth it. The Pain to Purpose course is an 11 video online course where I'll help you do four major things. Okay, the first one is this. I'll help you remove the debris of crisis in your life. So like trauma, tragedy, major life transition. The second thing is I'll guide you through the steps of repairing the emotional, relational, and spiritual broken pieces that were left in the wake of your trauma. Third, I'm gonna lay out for you how to reestablish a firm foundation for a healthy and whole life. And finally, I'll help you discover and step into the missional and redemptive purposes God has for you out of your trauma. Over the past several years of hosting this podcast, I've noticed some things. No one's pain journey is the same. However, 
There are some common denominators that every pain-to-purpose story shares, and there are some common things that everyone who goes from tragedy to triumph have to do. So my team and I took those common denominators and we distilled them into an 11-video curriculum to give you the handles, or as we call them, waypoints that you'll need in order to walk through your unique pain journey. This course is essentially an entire year's worth of counseling condensed into 11 videos and the fraction of the cost of counseling. I believe counseling is, is very important to your healing journey. If the Pain to Purpose course had existed back when I lost my wife in 2015, I still would have sought counseling, but I wouldn't have had to have spent so much time or money with that counselor because I would have been light years ahead of things just from taking the Pain to Purpose course. So I'd love to invite you to begin accessing the course today. You can go to course.nothingiswasted.com to do that. Again, that's course.nothingiswasted.com. And as a little bonus, I convinced my team to let me give you a discount. So right now, for a limited time, you can get $25 off the purchase of the course by using the promo code PODCAST at checkout. So again, that, that promo code is PODCAST. Maybe the course isn't something that you need right now, but you do have an option to purchase it as a gift for someone in your life who does need it right now. So just make sure you select the gift certificate option while you're purchasing that. So again, that's course.nothingiswasted.com and use the code podcast to get $25 off. That's incredible. Well, I mean, it's a great segue into... You know, as you've as you've healed through and processed through and worked through a lot of your own trauma, you've now taken it and channeled a lot of this toward helping other people. You know, one, you're a psychiatrist, and so you're helping other people on that front. And then you also, as you said, started this nonprofit called Advancing Warriors. And I'm curious how much that, you know, what's it's really interesting because you were an achiever, performer before. That's what was cloaking your trauma. Now I feel like the the what you're um, producing from this and what you're partnering with God to let Him produce from this, right? You're still God's still taking some of that achievement orientation mm-hmm. inside of you, and He's using it, but in a different way, um, and probably in a much healthier way, right? Now to help other right. people through purpose. But how has that purpose been such an important component to even further healing for you? When I when I first started the groups and and. The curriculum that I used, so the first curriculum was a lot of scripture, a lot of passages that helped me through through my mm. trauma and through my healing and, and recognizing what barriers that I have to healing and starting to work on them instead of pushing them away. Yeah. Um, God as my leader, God is someone that I can trust. And um, being able, Purpose Redeemed is the very last chapter of the program mm. or the last week of of using our wounds and sowing them into others to to reap that harvest uh, mm-hmm. for the kingdom and to really not let our our traumas be wasted, but put them back into the kingdom so that we can help others. And and so my goal um, through that is to take what God's taught me and to to teach others and to help others learn in in much easier way than I had to learn. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so the the first program oh. tribe goes through those things. And then the second program is how do we work? How do we deal with spiritual warfare? How do we work through that? What does that look like practically? And then yeah. the, the, the other program is 
what does it look like practically to follow Jesus, to follow Jesus when traumas happen, to follow Jesus in the storm, to follow Jesus when we fail and fall, and to be able to come right back to Him. And so, in 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 writing the curriculum and and leading the groups, there's amazing, powerful things that God does in all of the groups. Just seeing the transformation, seeing the miraculous healing, and seeing and hearing the wisdom that comes out of the veterans and first responders and and just it, a lot of it is is life changing because God's speaking through that group, that community, yeah. and really pr- creating an authentic, transparent community who they don't have to hide, they don't have to put masks on, they can be themselves, and they can heal through that. Wow, wow. that's so good. That's so good. And this is for veterans and first responders, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of it covers a, a bit of a gamut there. Um, right. Not yeah. So just first responders, military, uh, you know, military related, but also, you know, I'm assuming, you know, police officers, firemen, you know, all, mm-hmm. all, everybody, the EMTs, anybody that we would, that would be under that kind of duress or trauma consistently right. and regularly um, due to those crisis situations. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I have a, I have a lot of law enforcement in my family and yeah. just recognizing that's probably part of the reason why I have the personality I do or yeah. <laughs> and just really, you know, performance. <laughs> performance oriented and there are a lot of similarities and and first responders i mean they day in and day out they could be faced with a trauma every day and then go back home and really having that difficulty with transitioning okay i'm i'm trying to fight crime or i'm right. trying to save lives and people are dying and then i go home to my family and i have to act like everything's right. good and i'm the perfect husband right. and wife or wife or father or mother and yeah, so we're back home with the we're beaver cleaver again and we're just kind of right. going about suburban life you know that's i mean just trying to i mean i can't, like i cannot imagine being working in that field in any one of those fields and then coming home and trying to down regulate in a very healthy way and process through all of that stuff right that's that's got to be unbelievably challenging and i think that's why we see so much um you know, so much, uh, fallout, uh, in, in those arenas when it comes to depression, anxiety, suicide, you know, alcoholism, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the problem is alcohol is very commonly used to help downregulate. Um, but people don't recognize that, that it's, it's, uh, causing a lot more problems than it is helping in the, the short term. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this cause you, you have a, a particularly unique, um, seat that you sit in, but what, what unique challenges do, do female military members face both just in general, but also, you know, in terms of, uh, wrestling through trauma, PTSD, um, are there any particular, you know, challenges that, because you're a female, you know, in, in, an, in an arena that isn't, it's not overly saturated by females by any means. In fact, it's just been fairly recently that it's been a lot more accepted that, that females are in as a part of the military community. Um, but what challenges do you face because of that? So I, fortunately, I didn't have any sexual harassment or anything while, while I was in during, with other military members. Um, but there have been numerous women who have talked to me about sexual harassment, about mm. um, military sexual trauma, and about all, a lot of those kind of things that 
they've dealt with with whether it's commanders, people that they work with, um, and it it's pretty pervasive and in a lot of arenas. And and it, with the women veterans also, I mean, they're a minority in the military, but they're also a minority because they're not civilians, and the civilian women don't necessarily understand or can relate to what they're going through. And so mm. there's there's a lot of isolation there. Yeah, and sure. And when you're in the military, it's it's a team. And if that team's jeopardized, it's even harder to trust or to connect with right. others. And so we do have a, a lot more men that join the groups and that are part of the nonprofit than females. Um, probably, well, number one is because there's a lot less of them, but also because that trust piece is um, is, is problematic because of mm. what has happened to them while in the military. Wow. But I, I, fortunately, I didn't, I didn't have any, the military was really good to me and, yeah. um, I was respected and I respected others and it wasn't, um, it wasn't a problem for me. It was the other yeah. traumas that happened that, that right. were the main problem. Right. But now you're being, ex you're, you're seeing more and more of, you're being exposed to the, the prevalent problems that are there for right. the military and, you know, you're, you're seeing. I'm sure patients that are, you know, coming to you for this and mm -hmm. other people who are going through this, this, this program who are expressing that and trying to heal right. some things. And it is difficult being a female leader in those spheres yeah. of military and first responder spheres. Um, it, it's if you have given like combat vet, special forces, someone who um, really is grown up um, having that kind of um that thought that men are only in combat and, and that kind of thing, which, um, I mean, there's a big argument with that, but right. having a, a woman tell you what to do, or, I mean, not that I tell them what to do, but guiding them and leading them is a little bit yeah. harder for a lot of people. And so that's why I do have peer facilitators lead combat mm. vets, special forces, yeah. because people are in a state where they don't trust women. They're not gonna, they're not gonna mm. follow the women probably because maybe past traumas that they've had or just really not thinking that the woman's going to understand. And, and I know that I can't understand certain situations in, in combat. Yeah. and combat. And I am not a police officer. I haven't been through certain, certain things and experiences. And so I know where I need to, to give the torch over to someone else who's yeah. been there, done that, and who has that respect and authority to speak into their lives. And so I wow. think that, that is a challenge and yeah. and it's I'm not judging them for believing that or thinking that because they're in that space where they need to have a male they need to have someone who's been there done that who who they can develop that trust with to really um, help help them move forward in that healing mm. process Wow wow man Ellie this has been such a wonderful conversation just learning a little bit more of you and your story and and what you're doing, I mean, I'm, I'm amazed at the curriculum that you're um, implementing with, you know, veterans and first responders. It's a really, really um, just a neat thing. And, and your wisdom to do what you just said, to, to say, hey, we're, we're going to put peer-led facilitators here who are going to be able to relate to um, folks who are walking through this even more than what I can relate with them. And I, I just think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And, you know, the, the book, I want to make sure everybody uh, has an opportunity to um, – pick up a copy of this book. It's called Unshackled, 
finding God's freedom from trauma. We'll put right there in the show notes, we'll put a link so you can easily access it. And we'll put some other links there where you can follow more of what, um, what Dr. Ellie Stevens is doing. You can't, I mean, I, you got to call you doctor. You, you earned it, right? Um, or Dr. Elizabeth Stevens, as I guess if you put the doctor in front, we're going to have be a little bit more professional than just Ellie, but man, um, it's, it's amazing what you're doing. I'm so inspired by you. I would love for you to maybe exhort us a little bit. You know, you got a lot of people who are listening, civilians who are listening to this, members of church communities, congregations, who after hearing you, they're like, what can we do to help? How can we, how, what, what does the church, as you think about this in terms of your experience with the military community, first responders, PTSD, trauma, what should the church do, the body of Christ? What should we do to step up and help in these situations? I think a lot of it is, experts, authority, people who know kind of what that, that sphere of, of um, has a sphere of influence and just really the uh, ability to connect to these veterans and first responders that are dealing with, with trauma. And so our, our curriculum, I mean, we, we can provide it to any and all churches. We just need to um, train the peer facilitators to run the groups. Um, but really having, having access to a discipleship program or, to you know, be able to put them in a group, and then that group they can work on triaging it and really recognizing, okay, these are the issues. Maybe I need to do like a celebrate recovery, or maybe I need to do another ministry that the church has. But it is difficult to for the church to minister to a population if they don't understand what they're going through, and they don't understand right. the dynamics. And so, really having a, a program that is geared toward veterans and first responders, where they can relate to God and a better, better relate to each other and be able to soak in scripture and really um, be able to understand it. That's in a relatable way. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Well, Ellie, thanks so much for spending time with us and, and sharing uh, your story with us. And I, I know so many of our community are, are being impacted as they're listening to this. And so thanks for being awesome. a part of this today. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's, it's awesome. What a great combo, man. It, it was awesome. It was such a great conversation. Mm, mm. Teresa, you know, one of the things that she talked about that, I, that really stuck out to me, I know it stuck out to you too, is this idea of moving from conditional to unconditional love. When we experience some kind of trauma and we're going mm -hmm. through the valley, it really brings us to a new space, a new capacity of loving others. As long as, and I've said this before, as long as we, I, I, I've said it this way because there's G's and you know I'm a pastor, you know this, right? <laughs> But as long as we do grief God's way, it's going to expand our capacity for grace for mm -hmm. others, right? Yes. And that's kind of what she's talking about. When we go through trauma, you, you can go from conditional love to unconditional love. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, especially as someone who is a trauma recovery coach. You're watching people go through this. You're experiencing yeah. this journey with them. Is this true to the, you know, your experience with that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, she talked about having more compassion, right? She said, mm. I feel like I have more compassion, which is so true because I we will never go through a traumatic event and come out the exact same way. It's, it's not going to happen. It changes our view of the world or it changes our view of ourself. It just changes us in general. Yeah. And um, so if we were talking about in the world of trauma, we call it post-traumatic growth, Mm. So this is when we can endure 
the trauma well, when we can navigate our way through it, um, there's growth on the other side other side of that. And I'm pretty sure you've seen that. I mean, it's really nothing is wasted. It has so yeah, many people right. that talk about post-traumatic growth. And right. so I couldn't help but think about James. Um, so we're talking James 2. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he talks about, is it James 2? Maybe it's James 1, 2 through 4. The, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's James yeah. 1. Yeah. yeah. So he talks about um, consider it pure joy. I mean, we hear this mm-hmm. all the time, right? Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind. Right. He's not saying be excited you're going through this trauma. There's <laughs> yeah. a because there, yeah. right? We get stuck on just the, oh, I, sh- I should consider gonna, it joy that I'm going through Put this. on this joy, you know? Exactly. Look at me going through this. Yeah. <laughs> but he's saying um, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance, when we let perseverance finish its work so that we will be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So really, what he's talking about here is post-traumatic growth, is that when we let, when we walk through our trauma and we let God do whatever it is he's doing inside of us because of the journey that we're on, there's growth on the other side of that. And I think when when she said, I have more compassion, I was like, ding, ding, ding. That's what happens when we can navigate it well, because we all feel really proud of ourselves about certain things in life, and then trauma changes that. And all of a sudden, we feel very compassionate towards people who are wounded and hurting. Mm. And and that's the thing James was speaking to there. The joy is in the growth. And the growth comes through the trial. Mm, wow. Wow. I also thought about, you know, as you were saying that, that for for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Mm-hmm. Scorning its shame. That's what mm-hmm. the scripture tells us about Jesus mm-hmm. and his journey to the cross. And this is the most, you know, obvious metaphor for this this journey of having to go through the suffering, the trial, in order to experience the resurrection, as Paul's as Paul right. says, right? I want to share in his resurrection. But, but I must share in his sufferings. And that's the, that's the pathway we talk about a lot when it comes to pain to purpose and, and how do we actually begin to experience joy again and growth and become more like the person of Jesus as we're enduring this trial. Well, we have to apply ourselves in the trial, right? Mm-hmm. We can't try to escape it or cope with it or numb it or, right? We actually right. have to go through it. Yep. And as we go through that suffering, then we're going to experience the growth of our character, the growth of our fortitude, the growth of our right resilient, like the growth of our uh, just understanding more about the character and nature of God. So spiritual, every all of these aspects of our life, they begin to grow, like you're talking about. Yeah, and it produces and, joy. Right. Unfortunately, not everybody perseveres. Right. Yeah. So lots of people have traumas in their life, and they suppress. They mm. think, well, I'm just not going to address that issue. I'm going to move on and act like it didn't happen. You know, I'm going to let go and let God, right? right? We hear these phrases. There's truth in them. Right. But what really, when you think about what James saying, he's not saying suppress it, ignore it, act like it didn't happen, mm. but persevere through it, yeah. right? And that's where the growth comes. When I've walked with people who've had trials, traumas in their life, and when I start to see the glimmer of joy, I go, okay, we're getting somewhere because they're starting to future cast. They're starting to think yeah. about what's it going to be like when I get through this. Wow. Um, you know, and then when I had one lady tell me, 
She said, I think I experienced joy this week for the first time in years. Wow. She was crying, telling me. Wow. And I go, praise the Lord, because isn't that what God wants yeah. for us? It's not that we stay stuck in what happened to us, That's but right. we do the work that we need to do so we can persevere through it. Mm. So on the other side of it, there's growth for us. Wow. Yeah, it's it's awesome when we can do it. That's so good. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk about the Pain and Purpose course that Martin Seligman says that when we start to think that it's personal, pervasive, and permanent, that right. it can send us down into that really deep vortex of depression. Because it's like, well, this is how it's always going to be. But what you're saying is, is when you start to see that glimmer of hope where people are going, oh, like what you said, future cast. When people begin to go, okay, this is what life is going to be like when I'm through yes. this. Mm-hmm. You know that they've started to latch onto hope. And that yes. hope, that that becomes a purpose that really propels them through this valley. For sure. Yes. Um, that's yeah, so good. I love it. So good. Mm-hmm. All right, Teresa, you know, you raised your hand a couple of weeks ago. You sent me an email, in other words. I did. <laughs> and I love this. this is what I love about you. And this is what I love about our just our the community that we have at Nothing Is Wasted and, and yeah. our coaches and stuff. <clears throat> you said, Hey, I've got some concerns about a particular podcast interview that we just had. And I and I amened it 100 percent I was like, you know what, Teresa? I had concerns as well, too. I'm yeah. curious if you if you feel comfortable. Why don't you share those concerns with us a little bit about that conversation with Adam Young? And we'll yeah. talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like a lot of people, super excited that he was on. Um, you know, he is he has a very loud voice in the community yeah. of Christianity and therapy. So, I, I was so excited. By the way, the podcast was awesome. Yeah, that interview um, was so good. The whole thing, it was whole very was good. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. One thing he said though, he was talking about the illustration of the train. Right. Um, and this is you'll have to remind me. Is it faith yeah. facts or is it facts? So it's, I think it's facts, faith, and then feelings. That's, that's right. Facts on the front, and yes. then faith in the middle, and then feelings, our feelings. as the caboose. Right. right. So he talked a little bit about um, how he did not like that illustration. Yeah. Um, and he actually went so far as to call it diabolical, right. Um, right. which caused me to pause. Uh, I was like, whoa, okay. Uh, words matter language. a lot yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was very strong language. So I thought, okay, well, let me... Uh, I went so far as to, even though I knew what diabolical was, I'm like, I'm going to Google it. I want to get a good definition. I want to make sure what I think about this. Yeah. Because that illustration is in it's the in the Pain to Purpose, Purpose course. Me. Yeah, it's right. in the course. Right. And I knew that because yeah. I've, I'm have i a coach and I've taken many people through it. Now, here's the thing. I understand what he's saying, yeah. right? I get it. I get what he's saying, that we see it all the time, where our feelings won't always follow the facts of scripture. Mm. They won't. I, I've actually said it this way. There's oftentimes I have to tell my heart what my head knows is true, mm. right? That's I have right. to tell my heart what my head knows is true. I know the truth about Jesus and God, right. but my heart doesn't always believe it, right? right. When I'm in the midst of a, something that I'm struggling with. Um, but I love the pain to purpose material and I love nothing is wasted. And I didn't want that to be put out there as a way of saying something within the material was diabolical. Yeah, right. And so, uh, honestly, I woke up in the middle of the night one night and I was like, I have to email Ken and Davey and just mm. say, hey, I just want to put this on the table that I understand what he was saying. I get it, that our feelings do not always follow. 
but I felt the language diabolical was pretty strong. Yeah, very much so. So, and then that way I just put it out there and then I'm like, good, I said what I needed to say and I'm good. So, Oh man, you know what's so funny is when we were having that conversation with Adam and I were having that conversation, he said that and I was like, hmm. Like, (laughs) there's kind of the first, I went, hmm. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And you know, and I actually made a mental note. I was like, we probably need to address that or edit that out or something like that. And then we ended up not editing it out. So I think it brings a really good opportunity for us to have a conversation right here because I think, you know, what he, the point he was trying to make right there is let's not be dismissive of our feelings because our feelings are just as we talk about in the pain to purpose course, they are, they're given to us by God, right? The, uh, the ability to feel has been granted to us by God in order to help us understand where we're at. Mm -hmm. They become a red light indicator for us to go, Oh, alarms going off. Okay, yeah. something's not right. I need to get curious about this. I need to explore a little bit more into what's going on here. And so the point he was trying to make, although you're, I, you're right, I agree, he used very strong language. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he used untrue language, honestly. Yeah. And I don't agree with what he said in terms of it being diabolical. But he's right. trying to say, hey, this, this illustration can be destructive if we use it as or weaponize it as a, as a way to say, don't, you know, don't feel your feelings, right? Just right. preach the truth of God's word to your heart, right? And and so what we try to teach is like, hey, actually, you do need to like be curious about your feelings and you need to explore that. In, fra- in fact, the first waypoint of the Pain to Purpose course is befriend your emotions, right? Yes, Become yes. acquainted with it, you know, just mm-hmm. like scripture says that Jesus was acquainted with grief is what yes. scripture tells us. And so if we're going to follow in that example, we also have to become acquainted with our negative emotions. Absolutely. And they don't they don't always follow the facts. They don't. They don't. Depending on the journey we've been on, the wounding right. that we've had, the longevity of the wounding, right? It's right. there's a lot of things that come into play, but it doesn't negate the fact that scripture yep. is still true. Yep. And we often have to have that constant reminder of, okay, what is true? Because our feelings aren't always true. They are true to what we're feeling, right? but they're not true right, exactly. all the time. But yeah, turning in and saying, why do I feel like that? Why does that come up for me when this happens? Um, you know, so the right. facts still matter, no matter what. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And, so, and to be able to say, so then that's like step one. Step one is turning it in going, okay, why am I feeling that? Step two then is going, okay, what truth needs to be applied to this? Mm-hmm. And if you yeah. miss, I think if you miss either one of those steps, yep. then you're doing yourself and your healing journey a disservice. Yeah. You missed step two where you go, what's the truth of God's word that needs to be applied to this? You're not going to heal, right? Right, right. But if you miss the number one of going, okay, why am I feeling getting curious about those feelings? Then you're probably just going to kind of s- skate to the side of mm-hmm. this of this thing that God wants to bring you on, like what we were talking about earlier, this trauma growth trajectory that God wants to bring you on. Yep. Yep. And so and, and people are really good at dissociating from their feelings because yes. in particular, people who have childhood trauma and you're trying to say, how do you feel about that? Mm. The truth is they don't know That's because true. they've dissociated. They don't they can't even connect to their own feelings. Yeah. So it makes it very complicated because when they're unaware that they're even having these feelings, yeah. right? So right. I go, when he said it, I go, I totally get what he's saying. And I right. hear it and I go, yeah, I agree that that 
it could be used as a way of people thinking, well, then I'm a failure because right. I can't follow the facts. Right. But it was just the language that yeah. threw me off a little bit that I was like, I got to I just got to say what I got to say yep, and move absolutely. on. Well, and this, yeah. and this brings to the table a really uh, important principle that no matter what you're listening to, guys, as you're watching things, you're listening to things, you should, as Scripture tells us, test everything. Yep. Always test it. Always weigh it against the truth of God's Word. And we mm-hmm. live in a and we live in a culture today. We we are so we have we are inoculated with information, like saturated with it. Everybody mm-hmm. has a podcast. Everybody's producing something on social media, trying to tell you what you should do or what you should believe. And so you have to have an internal filter that we're going to recommend is God's word, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have God's word as a an internal filter to say, is that true? Is it not? Is it true? Is it not? And right. weigh it against God's word. Um, which is exactly what we're saying anyways. Even your feelings then have to be weighed against God's word. For sure. As well. Yes. So there's going to be times, I mean, we've had over 250 people on our podcast now. There's going to be times where, you know, 5%, 10% of what they say, we may not agree with. Right, right. And yet we're still going to have them on the podcast to share because, you know, 90, 95% of it, we agree with what they're saying and, and we want to yes. make sure that, so we're still doing our due diligence to filter through like, what are the voices we feel like you should hear from? And what are the voices that we're like, no, we're, you know, that's not in line with theologically with what we believe or what we want to right. espouse, but we're always going to have to eat the fish and spit out the bones. For sure. And, and for me as an Enneagram eight, right. <laughs> my love for this ministry, it matters to me. Right. So I am going to probably try to defend when I go, Oh, Oh, hold yep. on. Pause back it up, play it again, and go, okay, wait, because that is put out in the material that Nothing is Wasted has, and I just wanted to make sure that it was like, I don't think anybody missed this. I just want to make sure that it's addressed. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I love about you, Teresa. (laughs) Thanks. One of the things I love about you, there's so many things I love about you, but I do appreciate that because you're looking at things, you know, when I say critically, I don't mean like you're critiquing. I mean, like you're you're not letting everything just kind of pass through here. Right, right. You're analyzing these things. You're going, hold on, what is true? What is right? What is good? What is beautiful? Those things need to rise to the top. The other stuff needs to be, we need to address these things and we need to yes. talk about these. And so I appreciate that. And um, Yeah, for sure. And I wanted to intentionally make sure that our community hears that from you and, and you and I use that as an opportunity to instruct and teach because mm-hmm. I think this is very important for all of us to be able to know how we're filtering things that we're listening to. And I think filtering is so important because we can follow a lot of people on social media. We can right. follow people on podcasts <clears throat> and we have to decide how far we're going to follow them. That's and, right. and, and yeah, there's tons of truth that's spoken, but something like that could throw somebody off a little bit and go, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to be able to filter that through something to say, is there truth in this? I get what he was saying. Yeah. That's but right. Yeah. So that's why I brought it to you guys. Well, we're going to talk some more on the next episode with Teresa and we're going to talk some about uh, her coaching and what's going on with that. I can't wait for you to hear about that. Um, But we're going to go ahead and wrap this episode. And so listen, if you need in in any way, if we can help you in any way, if you want to get connected with Teresa, one of our other certified coaches, if you want to get connected with any of our pain to purpose material or the other resources that we offer, go to nothingiswasted.com. We've got all of our resources right there for you. And we would particularly love to invite you to, I've just started doing this, Teresa, every other week. So every other Thursday, Mm -hmm. it's actually beginning the day this is releasing. 
I'm doing okay. a live Zoom call that used to be a webinar. Now it's a live Zoom call called Five, uh, five Steps to Taking Back Your Story. And so anybody and everybody's invited to come on that Zoom call. Okay. I, it's like, it's so much fun to just be able to interact with people. We started yeah. doing this with church leaders to talk to them about pain to purpose. And I was like, this is amazing to get to know some of these church leaders and pastors. Why don't we do this for our community as well? And mm -hmm. I have give me an opportunity to just kind of get to know folks who are listening to the podcast, folks who are a part of our community. And I'll spend some time teaching, okay, here's five steps to begin taking back your story. So if you're interested in signing up for that Zoom call, it happens every other Thursday. You can sign up for a time that is convenient for you. Nothingiswasted.com slash start here. We want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can download and stream his music anywhere where you can download and stream music. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can follow me at Davey Blackburn. You can follow Aubrey at Obsamp. You can follow Teresa. Teresa Glantz Coaching. At Teresa Glantz Coaching. You can follow Nothing Is Wasted Ministries at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Next week, we have a wonderful conversation uh, with a guy I've been wanting to have on the, the podcast for a while, and we finally got a chance to have an interview with him. His name is Jonathan Pitts. So why don't you go ahead and listen to this little clip from my conversation with Jonathan. I just went and made dinner. I knew it was like universal. You know, when you're married right. that long, you know what it is. Like she was right. going to take a nap. I right. just take a nap. I was going to fix dinner. I peek my head in the bedroom and just say, hey, do you want to eat? And she's like, no, I think I need to nap longer. And so we just ate. And then I went into the bedroom and went to floss my teeth uh, to get the ribs out, which I'll never eat again. And as I peeked my head out of the bathroom as I was flossing my teeth, Winter was sitting up facing the windows away from me. And she just like, you know, you know how you do that thing where you like don't want to get up and you just kind of fall back over in the bed, yeah. slump over. She did that, but there was something unnatural about it. And... Um, uh, yeah, uh, basically the next 30 minutes were the most 30 traumatic minutes of my life.